If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 10. I want to talk about this. Here's the question. What is your one thing? What is your one thing? While you're finding that, I want to read a couple quotes from Richard Sibbs. He was a uh, Puritan preacher. Uh, theologians and historians say that he's probably he's probably the Puritan preacher. Like, there's a lot of them. Obviously, the Puritans were known for their theology and things. But like uh, George Whitfield is known as the evangelist for the Reformation and 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 the Puritans and things. Uh, Richard Sibbs is a really good uh, resource. He is. So here's what he said. Thinking on that question, what is your one thing? So God's goodness is near to us. It's not a goodness far away, but God follows us with his goodness in whatever situation we are. He attaches himself to us. He has made himself close. That's pretty important because I can't I can't get to God, but he's made himself close, right? That he might be near to us in goodness. He is a father and everywhere to maintain us. He is a husband and everywhere to help us. He is a friend and everywhere to comfort and counsel. His love is a near love. He has taken upon himself the closest kinds of relationships so that we may never lack God and the evidence of his love. Okay. Richard Sibbs also is quoted as saying this, Satan gives Adam and Eve an apple. Or fruit, right? That's pretty. That's pretty important. This was. This was like think of the pilgrims that far back, and he he says apple. So that tells me, just as a history nerd, they had the same kind of conversations we have. What do you think the fruit was, right? Well, maybe it was a fig because they took fig leaves. Well, maybe it was an apple because of the Adam's apple, right? They were having the same kind of conversations. That, that intrigues me. It doesn't matter where you're at in history. What you find is when you study people, people are people. Like, they, they just are. So we'll start over. Satan gives Adam and Eve an apple or fruit and takes away paradise. Therefore, in all temptations, let us consider not what he offers, but what we shall lose. Right. And in any temptation, the the thing that is tempting you isn't the underlining issue or thing. Right. So you can add that with with anything. So a man and a woman in a relationship, you're tempted to go outside of that relationship, that that forbidden fruit or that thing isn't what you're really gaining or losing. What you're gaining is a temporary satisfaction, what you're losing is a long-lasting relationship, right? So that's what he says there. Thinking on what is your one thing. So now let's look at Luke chapter 10. We'll read verses uh, 38 through 42. We say this a lot, which is a good thing because that means we're in our word a lot. This is a very familiar passage, right? Verse 38 reads like this. Now, as they were traveling along, he entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. But Martha was distracted from all of her preparations. And she came up to him, that being Jesus, and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? 
Then tell her to help me. Well, listen what Jesus says. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary for Mary, uh, for Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Have you ever read that and wondered what that, what, what that means? As you look at it, right, and, and Martha comes with a, with a very good complaint. Hey, I need help. You know, I got, I've asked all y'all to my house. Uh, my sister, right, is over there. She's excited to have company, but I need help, right? And think of hosting, and you've invited all these people over, and you expect your family to help or others to help, and then you're left alone working, right? Martha didn't want to be in the kitchen or wherever she was. She wanted to be with her guests, right? But she's also half in the host. But here's Mary, and she's really looking kind of lazy. Look through Martha's eyes, right? She's she's supposed to be helping, but yet she's she's just sitting at Jesus' feet, just listening, right? So Martha has a has a good complaint, but Jesus has a better answer, right? And uh, he said that she's worried and bothered about so many things. That's not necessarily a rebuke, right? It's not necessarily a rebuke. Uh, but he says only one thing is necessary, and that's kind of the thought of what we're talking about. One thing is necessary. And, and, and at, right at the beginning of this, what is that one thing? Well, it's what Mary's doing. She's trying to learn of God, right, of Jesus. It says, for Mary has chosen the good part. And it shall not be taken away from her. So now turn to Psalm 27 and verse 4. I love when you can go from the Old Testament to the New Testament or the New Testament to the Old Testament and um, find clarification. Almost like Paul tells Timothy that all Scripture is good. <laughs> right? So... 27 and verse 4. This is this is a Psalm of David, and he too has a one thing. So let's see. One thing I have asked from the Lord that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. So just in our brief knowledge of David and the Psalms, and going through first and second Samuel and Kings, and he asked for more than one thing, right? First thing come to my mind, how many times did he ask the Lord to save him from multiple of his enemies, right? So just that one thing and this one thing makes two things, right? He asked for a lot of things. Same thing in our life. We ask God for things every single day, and I'm not saying that's wrong. David wasn't wrong in asking God, the Lord of hosts. He loves. He loved to call God the, the Lord of hosts to save him from his enemies. Who else is going to save you from your enemies, right? The, the king's trying to kill me. Lord, I need help. <laughs> so there, there's nothing wrong in that, okay? But here we need to look at that one thing. So that's why we're, we're what is your one thing, and this is a long way around of saying that God needs to be first in your life, right? And all, everything else needs to fall under the umbrella 
of God being the most important part of, of your life. So we have uh, a woman named Mary showing that her one thing was to learn of Jesus. We have David saying that his one thing was to seek. Mm -hmm. Okay, so there's clarification for the rest of that verse. But but the first little bit is one thing I have asked from the Lord. What is that to seek? Mm -hmm. Okay, what does the scripture say to seek to seek him first and his righteousness? Right. And then everything else will be added to him. Uh, it's almost like a compound thing. That's why I say people are people. If you, if you if Matt looked at me and said, ask me one thing, Scott, ask me one thing, and I'll I'll make it happen, right? I may I may do like David said. Well, I want to seek that I may dwell in the house, right? Yeah. That 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 I may behold. That's that's really three things, <coughs> but it all comes down to that one thing that that we can seek. Okay, so thinking back on. What Richard Sibbs said is what David was really saying was he wanted to be surrounded by the goodness of, of God, right? He wanted his whole life to be uh, entangled, in, encompassed by, by the Lord. So King David's singular longing for close relationship or fellowship with the Lord caused him to continually seek God's presence and his favor, so just in our life here, right, in this church, in this community, in our generation, if you want to put it that way, it's easy to look out and see both in the church and out of the church a discontent or a, um, a disassociation with the things of God. And the biggest problem with that is that people aren't seeking him first, firstly. Right. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of people who add God to their lives and they benefit from that. Absolutely. They do. Um, I, I can I can add the laws of Judaism to my life and I'm going to be a better person. Yeah. Right. But that doesn't get me any closer to God. If that was so, we wouldn't have needed a better way. The word of God says. Right. I can. I can add morality to my life and I'm going to be a better person, but I'm no better. I'm no better off for that. David knew that too. He, I mean, he's already under the law, right? He's, he's King David. He's when, when you were made King, you, <laughs> you were given the law and you read the law every day, not because you were priests, but you needed, you needed to know you're leading God's people. You need to know the law, right? So he knew the things that he needed to do, but you see, he didn't ask God for better clarification of the law. Nothing wrong with that. He, he didn't say, my one thing is to rule better, or my one thing is for this, that, and the other. He said, my one thing is I want to seek you. Because what David understood and what we need to understand is that if, I, if my whole life is to seek after God and his righteousness, then I will know him better. I will understand his law better. I will, right? I will be content better. I will have more of the fullness of joy. I will be able in any circumstance to, to uh, do God's statutes and keep his commandments. If I'm seeking after God and his righteousness, that's the reason why the Bible says that. It's not just to seek after God. It's God 
and his righteousness. It's not just to know somebody, but I want to have relationship with you. I want to, I want to be like you, right? So King David and his singular longing for a close fellowship with the Lord is what drove him to seek. He wasn't seeking to have a relationship. He had a relationship, so he, he was seeking to have a deeper relationship, right? And you could see that in the world. It would be, you can't go to, that's why we witness the way that we do, right? With the gospel of Christ. Because I can't go to someone who isn't saved and say, you need to have a better relationship with God. Well, of course they do. They have no relationship, right? Your relationship with God isn't right. Well, of course it isn't, okay? And it's easy if you go from that aspect, let me give you 12 steps to make your relationship with God better, right? Just add these things to your life. We're, we just come out of Galatians. It's the same thing the Judaizers were saying. Yeah, you, you're, you're seeking that Jesus and that God and everything's fine, but you need to do this, this, and this, and this to, to be close to him. That's not what David said. David never shunned the law. He never shunned anything that they were doing. This is still Old Testament, right? Jesus hasn't come yet. The Old Testament, Le Levitical covenant, all of that is still in play, 100%. 100%. But yet, if you go through the Old Testament and Leviticus and the giving of the law and the setting up of the tabernacle, all of that was to gain access to God. God, in the very beginning of all of it, said that he desired relationship, right? He desired relationship. That's why in the, in the judgments, you go through the, the uh, major and minor prophets and, and judgment is coming. He, he says, you've kept everything I've told you to do, but I don't have your heart. Right? Your heart isn't in it. So it doesn't matter how many lambs you slaughter. It doesn't matter if you keep the feast, if you keep the Passover. If you, if you do all of these things, yeah, I've commanded them but we have no relationship. I don't know you, right? So I need to be known by God. David seems to have a grasp on that, right? You want to know me, I want to know you, so I'm going to, I'm going to seek you, and you're going to add to. It, remember, this is all even in this. This is, this is God acting on us because I'm doing what he's told me to do, right? And vice versa. David knew that he couldn't achieve this, why else would he, be, he wouldn't be praying this if he could achieve it, right? But he's asking God, one thing I have asked. He didn't tell God, I'm going to seek you. I'm going to commit myself to you. I'm going to do better, right? I'm going to say this prayer and I'm going to unlock the keys of heaven. You, you can go, go down the line of the nonsense that we have today, right? He said, I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask this one thing that I can seek you. And kind of what David is saying here is in order for me to do that, you're going to have to, you're going to have to act on my life. Right? So the one thing David asked of the Lord refers to the foremost ambition of his life. Again, he asked for a lot of things just like we do, but what, what's your driving force behind all of this? Right? That which was the utmost importance to him. David's one thing uh, was to know God through an intimate, long life relationship with him. Not a one time, not a one time gathering. Okay. 
And even, and we'll see, even in his compounding of the thing, it wasn't a one-time event. It wasn't meeting once or twice a week, right? It wasn't, it was to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of his life. Can we live at the church? Well, no, not in our life. But David, he wanted, he wanted to live with, in the house of the Lord all the days of his life. He wanted to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. To meditate in his temple. So this is kind of a twofold thing. It's what is the most important thing in your life. And there is something to gathering together in the house of the Lord. He's everywhere. We started with Richard Sibbs saying that his goodness follow us through any situation that we're in. It's nothing special of the house, but it is something important with the house of setting aside time to be with the people of God, to gather with one mind, one accord for one reason, right? We can say that our one thing is to seek God, seek God as a corporate body. God can move and he does and he has in any time, any aspect of our life, in our car, in our house, in our yard, whatever. But we all have experiences that's happened in church, right? And it's not that it's this supernatural, oh, you're, you've made it, so now I'm going to pour my blessings out on you. But it's, it's, it is you are coming with one mind and one accord, and your one thing is important. Right. It's you have come to seek me and my righteousness. So why wouldn't he be a good father and give us blessing? Right. And answer prayer. And I've been praying all week for this thing. But now I'm going to I'm going to profess it. Right. I'm going to profess it with my mouth. Hey, I'm not big enough for this issue. Can you all please come around, gather around, help me pray? That glorifies God because this is exactly what he told us to do. Right? Is any sick among you? Do you have any problems? Let the elders lay on of hands and pray. Right? There ain't nothing special about the ministry or the elders, but it's just doing what God's told you to do. And the whole reason that you're doing that is because you want to glorify God. You want to seek God and His righteousness. David seems to have a grasp on all this. See, even in this Old Testament time, right? The church ain't here yet. It's a temple. Actually, it's still a tabernacle. The temple ain't even built yet. But yet, he wanted to be where God was, right? So in Psalm 23 and 6, well, I'll, just, I'll just quote it here. Uh, David affirms, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So this isn't the first time that he's, he said this, right? The house of the Lord there in, in Psalm 23 refers to the tabernacle, the Lord's dwelling place. That was Leviticus 26 and 11. God said, build me a house. Right. And I'm going to dwell there. Uh, David prayed that he would abide in God's presence all the days of his life. So that also implies that David knew there was something about gathering together in the tabernacle, right, in the temple of God. But also that God goes with you when you leave. Right. There, there's something to the importance of of the church house. Otherwise, we wouldn't need them. We just wouldn't need them. There is something to gathering uh, together. And that should have been made manifest to the whole world 
during COVID, but it seems to drive a lot of people away instead of driving them to the house of the Lord. And the sole reason behind that amongst the millions of reasons <coughs> is they weren't seeking God and his righteousness. It's just, and that's not me saying that. That's the word saying that their one thing wasn't God and his righteousness. Otherwise, that's what would drive them, right? So David wanted to be close in fellowship with the Lord every single day. And Psalm, we're going to rely, rely hard on Psalms tonight because it's just so good. Psalms is really good. But we're going to go other places too. But Psalms 26 and 8 uh, said, O oh Lord, I live or I love to... Uh, let me, let me start over. Oh, Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. So, again, this is just driving home that this isn't a one-time thing that David prayed. This seems to be over and over and over and over again in it, in his mind, in his heart, in his writings, whether he's writing Psalm 50 and 51 right after he's found out by Nathan or he's writing in Psalm 23 or he's writing, hey, Saul's trying to kill me. Whatever his situation is, he wants to be where God is. Yeah. Like that is his driving force. Like I have to be on the run. I've got to live with these Philistines for a while. I have to do all of this stuff. But Lord, I want to be I want to be where you are, okay? Not to say that the Lord wasn't with David. Obviously, he was. Right? He blessed David wherever David went. Because how many times can you get a spear chunked at your head and miss? Right? You, we forget that Saul was a military man, right? It's not like he's never chunked a spear before, but he seems to just kind of miss him. That's, that's them small miracles <laughs> for David, maybe not even a small miracle. Because right? you're just playing music, and then all of a sudden, shoom, spear sticks in the wall right or you happen to be you happen to be here and you find out Saul's here but he's not he's somewhere else and it's just all these manipulations and movements and it when you look back God was with David the whole time because David had been anointed as a ruddy lad to be the next king so no matter what Saul was going to do unless God is a liar David was going to be king kind of like Paul knowing his end. He didn't know when it was, how it was. He just knew where it was, right? We talked about that. Uh, when was we talking about that? We talk about it often, Paul, uh, saying he, he, he desired to go to Rome, right, to the church of Rome. I don't know if Paul knew the first time he went to Rome he was that was going to be it. God didn't tell him like, okay, it's this day at this time that you're gonna, you're gonna perish by beheading, right in Rome. But yet, like we were talking about, if I knew the place that it was gonna happen, I would never go, right? I just would never go. I don't know if today's the day, but I'll tell you what, I'm not gonna do, Jack. Tempt God, right? That's what that's. <laughs> I'm just not gonna be in Rome. But yet, that was Paul's desire was to be the church and and we can go so many different ways with that but the the body of Christ can you see the correlation David and the house of the Lord and Paul's desire to be with the body of of Christ Mary wanting to sit the literal body of Christ right they you want to be where God is and what the new testament tells us is God is anywhere and everywhere of course 
but he is specifically where his body is. Right. So he's always, always with us. That kind of flies in the face of, uh, let's see, we got a couple different sayings we could say there. I don't have to go to church because God's everywhere. That's true. He is everywhere. But you're breaking a commandment of God by not going to church, right? Or God can minister to me on my bass boat the same way he can minister to me from the pulpit. Absolutely. Absolutely he can. But there's one way that God's designed it, right? <laughs> through the ministering of his mouthpieces of his people. I've, I've, I am... I have the potential to be as close to God anywhere as I am in the house of God. But again, there is something unique about putting everything aside, no matter what's going on, and saying, I want to be with you, Lord. Right? When me and Tab was dating, we had kind of a long-distance relationship. I mean, we did for a while. The Lord, towards the end, put us in the same town, but she lived in Denham Springs. I lived in Alexandria. Right or Pineville, and and we talked on the phone for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. Right, done the whole done the whole thing. I thought because she was older and I was older, we wouldn't have to do all that. But it was all the like I talk to you, fall asleep, or you hang up. No, I hang up. All of this stuff, and not not absolutely nothing wrong with that, but nothing beat being in the presence of each other, talking to each other. Right. So why would I want to distance myself when God has specifically said, where two or more gathered in my name, I will be there in the midst. Right now, can we we're doing that now? We're not in the church. We're in the fellowship hall. Right. Again, there's nothing special about that sanctuary. But there is something unique about gathering together. Amen. I know we're supposed to be teaching, but we can go. Amen. Psalm 84, 1 through 2. Again, doing this, this isn't David's first time praying this prayer, right? How lovely are your dwelling places? That should sound very familiar. It's one of the songs we sing a lot nowadays. How lovely are your dwelling places, O Lord of hosts. There it is. That's his favorite, favorite name for God. The Lord of armies. My soul longed and even yearned for the courts of the Lord. Can you say that in your own life? My, my soul longed and even yearned. You went, my soul longed? Well, yeah, going back to Tab. I wanted to be with her, right? But sometimes I wanted to be with her so much it hurt. <laughs> you see, see the difference? Like, I always wanted to be with her, but I realized that obligations, we both had jobs, we lived in different places, you know, I know the weekend's coming and I have an opportunity I can. So I wanted to be with her all through the week, but I yearned for Saturday. Right? I yearned for the, the day that I could be with her. Do we live our life like that? Like I'm I was with her every day. Like I was I was connected with her every every day. Through a text message, through a phone call, seeing something that reminded me of her, right? All of these things. Find, flipping through my Bible, find a little note, whatever. I was connected to her. But I yearn to be with her. So apply that spiritually throughout our day-to-day things. Everything should point us to Christ, which it does in our devotions, in our prayer time, in our reading of our word. But do we yearn to be with him? 
right? Like I, I, I am invested and I am, I am almost, it's almost hurting me because I can't be, I can't be with God and his people, right? And you go, wow, that seems a little extreme. To most people it is. <laughs> it is. To David it wasn't. And to Mary it wasn't. And to Paul it, it wasn't. And Paul said, I want to die and be with my Lord. But for whatever reason, and this is paraphrasing, he said what? For every reason, for whatever reason, it's better for me to be here with you. Okay? So that, how, that you don't think Paul was yearning to be, to be with his Lord? And we know Paul meant that he wanted to physically be with the Lord, right? And we, as Christians... Same thing. We're not like we're not psychotic and and wishing for death and all that stuff. But I really do. It's way better to be with him than it is to be here. As much good as it is here, it's better to be with him. But Paul also knew that he could be with him here, and that was in his little devotions and his little his little times with the Lord, but specifically with the people of God. With the body of Christ. Okay. So finishing this, I'm sorry. My long, my soul longs and even yearns for the courts of the Lord. This is verse two of Psalm 84. My heart and my flesh sing for joy in the living God. Kind of sounds like a church service, doesn't it? <laughs> it really does. So these are not passing thoughts or flimsy intentions for David. This was literally how he. He lived his life. You say, well, David sinned. Yep, he did. You ever wondered why he was called a man after God's own heart? You ever wondered that? This is it. This was his one thing. Yeah, he was still human. Yeah, he still failed. Yeah, he paid penalties for his sin. God didn't shield him from any of that. He paid a heavy penalty. His son died because of the sin that he had. But yet David which that would have, think of losing a child. We, we all have experiences, at least know people with experiences like that. It's drove a lot of people away from God, right? But yet, David did two things. First, he repented. He, re, he repented. And second, he said, God, you're good, and I'm going to see him again. Like, I'm going to see my son again. I can't, he can't come to me. <laughs> But I'm going to go to him, right? So David is called a man after God's own heart because this is God's heart. It really is. The whole Bible. It, why, why is there a coming of the only begotten son, a sacrifice, is to bring us back in the union with God. This is God's heart. So uh, believers uh, discover their true home is in the presence of God. Throughout our lives, I, like we're going to finish here, we're going to go home, we're going to start to relax, we're going to eat a little bit, we're going to have some family time, and we're going to go to bed, and all of that is great, right? I'm going to get up, I'm going to I'm going to go to work, and I'm going to be in the presence of fellow believers, and we're going to we're going to minister to each other throughout the day, however that looks. If that's just come on, you can do it, buddy. Whatever it is, and all of that's good, but where I'm truly at home is in the presence of God, right? Wherever that is. Futurally, in the 
exact presence of God. So that's why we can say stuff like, this world isn't my home. Are we saying that God isn't here? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But there's a better place. There's a closer place like to him. Okay. So that's, that's our longing. Psalm 65 and 4 would say that. I love how most of this is Old Testament. It's just, I love it. You, you can get a lot out of the Old Testament. There's a reason why there's 66 books and not just, what is it, 27, 26 New Testament books. So how blessed is the one whom you choose and bring near to you to dwell in your courts? That's, that's David saying that. It's not my courts, right? You've, you've chosen. So how blessed is the one whom, or you can even say, how blessed am I who you have chosen to bring into your dwelling place, into your courts? Uh, we will be satisfied with the goodness of your house, your holy temple. You're never fully satisfied here in this earth, not as a Christian. Your only satisfaction is in God. And you, yes, you do find satisfaction in, in your spouse, in your kids, in your family, in, in, your, in your life, because God is good, and He doesn't wait to give us blessings, thank God. Uh, but I'm not fully satisfied here. I don't, I don't, this is me personally, we can talk later, I don't feel like as a Christian you ever fully feel comfortable here. I'm not saying you can't be happy, you can't have a good life, but I don't, I don't feel comfortable here. Like I want to go somewhere else, right? Does that make sense? I'm not fleeing this, and I understand God's given me all of this, and He's going to be with me. I understand all that, but I want to be somewhere else, right? Does that make sense? I don't feel if I feel if if you can be fully satisfied and comfortable with this world, your heart isn't in the right place. Because David wasn't satisfied with where he was. Paul, not satisfied where he was. All of the apostles and disciples, like they all gladly took their deaths because they realized this is it. Like I'm going to be with him again. Imagine three and a half years, literally God with you, and then he's not here. And you minister and you do and you you spread the gospel and all of that. You think they were comfortable? I don't think so. I don't think life was ever the same. Shouldn't be. Life's never been the same for me since I met Christ, right? And I ain't even been able to hold him yet. One day I will. And that's why you get those passages that are so strong in the Bible. The Apostle John saying we we held him. We've we seen him. We held him. We are eyewitnesses to Emmanuel, God with us, right? But yet we're going we're gonna to see him. And what's impressive to me is we're going to see the same Jesus they see, the, the same one. We don't get a different Jesus. There's only one. We don't get a different Jesus. We get the same one. Imagine how how crazy I know it was blissful because we're talking about this side versus the other side of glory but they they walked with him and talked with him ate with him slept in the same place as him you know all of that and then he's gone and they have all of this information to digest the rest of their lives and and they they die however they die 
they're absent from the body, they open their eyes, and they see the same Jesus, right? It's the same one. It's nothing unfamiliar. If anything, he's more familiar because now they're known as they're known. They know as they're known. And just apply that to your life now. That should give us great hope, give us peace, give us satisfaction, give us a surety. As much as I know of God right now and I can close my eyes and and sometimes it's like I can almost like I can almost see him. You've ever been that close in your prayer time or or just in those times of need that God's been so close. It's like, you know, but then we're going to be closer. And it's it's in his presence. Nothing in this world should satisfy you like that thought. And I'm not even fully satisfied in that because I want it. <laughs> okay? It's like, Richard Paul, you don't know this feeling yet, but this Christmas I did. There was there was a few of my presents that I knew because I bought them for me. Yeah. Right? And and it was one of them was a gun rack for the four-wheeler. I bought it, I purchased it, I mailed it to my house. I knew what it was. We wrapped it. Richard Paul put his name on it to me because he benefits from it too. You know, I knew what it was, and I was I was pretty satisfied because I knew it was there. Yeah. But I wasn't fully satisfied until it was on the four wheeler, right? Yeah. So as a Christian, I know what waits me. Mm-hmm. Like I really I I don't we don't know everything, but I know enough. I know what waits me. And I'm pretty satisfied in knowing one day that's for me. But I won't be fully satisfied until I'm there. Right? So why look for satisfaction in anything other than God? And why go anywhere other than where you know he's going to be? Right? So pretty important. Believers exercise or experience full joy uh, in the Lord's presence. That's where our joy comes from. So the closer you get to God, the more the more joy you will be. But don't take my word for it. Psalm 16, verse 11. You will make known to me the path of life. Man, that in itself. We, we keep saying that all the time, but it, it's true. You know, what is truth? What is life? What's the meaning of life? All these different questions. God's going to make known that path. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand, there will be pleasures forever. That's we love a both now, not yet, then statement, right? We'll talk about in Revelation and, and different things. That's one right there in the Old Testament. That's both now and has not yet to come, right? I haven't experienced pleasures forever, but I will. <laughs> but I've also experienced pleasures here. And that's the word pleasure is like a lot of other words. That's not, that's not meaning sexually. That's meaning fulfillment. Right. True. Truly, truly being fulfilled. We don't understand pure pleasure. We don't because our minds and bodies want to go different places. But that's that's what heaven is. It's pure blissfulness pure pure pleasure. I, I don't know. I can't I can't explain that, but I will one day. <laughs> like I'll know it one day. I will. Psalm 21 and six. For you uh, make him most blessed forever. You make him joyful with gladness in your presence. So where where am I going to be joyful? Where will I have gladness? It's going to be in his presence, right? That's why, or at least you should, be able to come to church 
And no matter what your circumstances are, not taking away from the circumstances, but you should feel comfort when you're here, mm-hmm. right? If nothing else, like I've heard this before, I haven't slept all week, man, and you, they sleep in church, right? And, and I, we're talking about saints. We're talking about Christians, right? It's not somebody just falling asleep because they can't, but it's just peace. It's God's peace. You need rest. Like God knows what you need. Yeah. That certain individual been wrestling with whatever it is, God gave you rest, right? No matter what I could say or others could do, the Lord ministered to that person what he needed, right? And that was in the house of the Lord. And he could have knocked him out at his house, but he didn't, right? Personal experience, just different things. The Lord knows what you need. And as tired as that individual was, I'm not saying names and stuff because this is this is a true story. Somebody's told me this. As tired as that individual was, they they still got up, got dressed, drove to church, sat down, you know, and they may have not spoke to anybody. They may have not been outspoken or clapped their hands or raised their raised their hand or whatever. They come to the house of the Lord because they were seeking something, right? And it wasn't accolades. It what they were seeking God. God gave them what they needed. It's real. It's literally as simple as that. It really is. Whatever it is, get to the house of the Lord, and chances are you're going to benefit from it. You're going to benefit from it. Again, it ain't because the, the bricks are special or the mortar is made out of a special thing. We don't have gold flying out of the ceiling. Or, none of that. But just what we talked about Sunday night, the power of the Word of God, God has declared that where His people are, He's there. I want to be where He is, which in itself makes me want to be with God's people. It just does, okay? Not like we endure everybody just because we're here for God, right? I I really want to be with you because you really want to be where God is. So I want to be with the people of God who want to be where God is, right? Morning by morning, day after day, we, we see this was this was David's desire. Like this is what he wanted. And then we look at Mary, right? Going back to Luke, it's really just the same thing. Why was she sitting at the feet of of Jesus? She knew she had obligations. She knew she had responsibility. She knew she probably should have been helping serve that's if nothing else historically that's what she should have been doing she wasn't supposed to be with the men right Mm -hmm. she wasn't supposed to be being taught you 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 were either taught by your father or your husband whichever one it was right the men learned and then it was the men's responsibility to to teach the others not that they couldn't learn it was just a hierarchy okay Uh, same thing we see now you know it's it's the it's a husband's responsibility to be the spiritual head of a family and, and teach his family. And it's the mother's spiritual responsibility to teach the children. Not that the husband doesn't teach the children, but it's just there's there's checks and balances to all of it. So Mary really wasn't supposed to be where she was, but she was because Jesus was where she needed to be. She had she had something, her one thing trumped all the other things. Does that make sense? Not that she was 
lazy or didn't understand that she had obligations. It's just the bread can wait. There, he's saying something and I need to know what it is, right? Just being in the presence uh, of God, which we all have responsibilities, work, family, life, all that stuff. But most of our stuff can wait. It, it really can. It can just wait. I need to be where God is. Because in order for all this other stuff to work out, I need to be where I need to be where God is. Okay. So, and then again, Mary's not the only one. We've mentioned Paul, but uh, if you want to, because it's quite a it's a few verses. Let's turn to Philippians chapter three. We'll end with this. Paul had a one thing as well that he pursued throughout his life. What you really start to see is our biblical examples. Um, you see a fallible creature having one desire. Did, did, that, did I say that you have a perfect creature? No. Did I say that one creature is better than the other creature? No. Because you could, you could make a very good argument that Paul was a very better, like a more better human than David was. Like you really can't. David couldn't boast and say that he was the 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 best Israelite of the Israelites. You know, Paul did and he could, but yet the desires were the same. <laughs> so, so and Paul is the one that's telling, saying David had a heart after God, right? So, Philippians three ten through uh, fourteen reads like this that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death. So what, what is Paul's one thing? That I may know him, right? That I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. You see the, the threefold thing? Just like David, right? That's why I say humans are humans. <laughs> being conformed to his death in order that I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained it or have already been perf become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Jesus Christ. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. I love how Paul writes because he just said the same thing again, but he wants, he wants us to understand that. In other words, Paul is saying, Saul's still in here. Now, think on that for a second. Paul, the Apostle Paul, is saying, Saul, he's still in here. Yeah. He, I'm still dealing with him. But one thing I do, okay, here's his one thing. Forgetting what lies ahead and reaching forward to what lies, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. So what, what is his one thing? To reach Jesus, right? Same thing as Mary, same thing as David, same thing as me and you. That needs to be our one thing. That's our driving force, right? That dictates our whole life and what we do with it. So what's the greatest longing of your heart? Is it to seek God's presence daily and to know the Lord more intimately, to want to see His beauty and wonder? It should be. Like, how does that look in everybody's life? 
six, uh, 30, 60, 100 fold. It looks different. It really does. But the desire is the same, right? So David did a lot. Paul did a lot. They did a lot of different things. They had the same desire. All we know of Mary is she sat at Jesus' feet. Same desire, right? So be To be with the Lord. And what that does is whatever time we have, it's it, it causes it causes us to do what God's told us to do, right? And and if we have a mindset of that, Lord, I want to be with you, and then that being with you means I need like missionaries. Their desire is to be be with the Lord, and this drove them to to do that. Uh, evangelist, the lay person, whatever it is. Right? Ministers, for me. In order for me to be closer to God, there come a point in my life to where I had to heed his call. Right? Because if, if I didn't heed his call, then I would I would be driving division. I'd be quenching the spirit. I'd be so to be where my Lord was, I had to yield. I had to seek after him and I had to say, whatever it is, okay. Even though it made my life hectic, and it's still pretty hectic. But it's better. Like it really is. I find greater satisfaction in doing what I'm doing right now than what I did four years ago. And there's way more responsibility, and there's way more gray hair, and and we've had strain on our marriage, and I, it's just there's there's a lot that goes in it. But it's all okay, <laughs> right? It really it really is all good because I, I I love him. So David had a one thing, and our, uh, we really need to search our hearts and see what our one thing is. Because we all have one thing above all others, right? We all have something that drops us, but it better be the right thing. Like, really, it should. It better be to, to get closer to God by whatever, whoever, whatever means. It needs to be to gain access to the to the Lord makes sense. So, what's your one thing, right? So, let's uh, let's pray, Brother Matt. Pray us out. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and your mercy, Lord. Thank you for those things that you've kept us from, Father. Thank you for those things you've given to us, God. We thank you for your word, Lord, for your encouraging word, God. That you're always there for us, Lord. That you've told us what to do, God. You didn't leave it up to us to try and figure it out. You've asked us to see you and your righteousness, Father. And we ask in the coming year, God, that that would be embedded in who we are. That, God, we would find time to get into your word, Lord, that we would read it and it would change who we are day by day. That, Father, as we grow in you, Lord, we would see that even those things that feel like setbacks in our life are, are driving your kingdom forward. Father, I pray that there will be less selfishness within those who are believers, Father, this year. That, God, there will yes. be greater sacrifices on their lives. That, God, they would begin to place you first, Lord, and everything would fall in order. Thank you again for this time, and thank you for your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.